Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and this is our newest show called The Sauce. If you couldn't tell by the song title there, episode 349 on the network. Before we bring on our newest co-host here, I want to just thank a couple groups of people. First, our listeners, 57,000 and climbing. Appreciate your support. You helped us get on the iHeartRadio's very powerful podcast network. Make sure you download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Give this one five stars today and write some nice comments here for myself and Tanner, our new newest co-host here. That way we can battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. And to our newest friend, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, we appreciate your friendship, 20% at checkout. If you put in the code DAVID, all capital letters, followed by the number 20, you'll get 20% off your coffee purchase there. And then following that, 15% in perpetuity. So great friend for us. Any friend that appreciates our, our messaging, loves baseball and loves coffee, well, they're going to be with us for a lifetime and give us that wonderful discount. With that, we're going to present you the new show, The Sauce here. It's college football. We figure while the college ranking systems are going on, there's a lot to talk about. We get a lot of insight here. We get a lot of things that flow through our network, and we haven't touched on college football a ton. So I brought on my research assistant here who researches with me for all nine of our other shows. Uh, happens to be my son, Tanner D'Agostino. Tanner, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm uh, excited to be on this new show called The Sauce. Yeah, well, well, that was a great, great intro, great start. Um, hopefully the rest is a little smoother than, than that there. But so well, we got a couple things that we want to cover today. Obviously, we're going to cover the committee uh, selection. You've got some thoughts on that. I've got to hear it around the house. We do have calls that come in and, and people that we're connected with. So we've got some great research here as well regarding that. Uh, Tanner does have a hypothesis on what the committee is looking at, contrary to what they're saying. And then uh, breaking news tonight, uh, we were going to cover the Michigan situation, but there's some breaking news tonight in, in regards to that saga, shall we call. So uh, what, what do you want to start with, Tanner? you want to start with the committee or do you want to start with Michigan? Uh, let's start with the breaking news out of Michigan. Okay, so just, just for the audience here, what t- tell the audience a little bit what has gone on tonight. There was a Big Ten initial report, but then there's now been follow-up developing reports. So go ahead and share that. So the Big Ten has decided to punish Harbaugh by not allowing him on the sideline or the venues for the either of the next three big uh, regular season games for the rest of the season. And then they put out a report saying that he won't be at any of the venues for the games. He's not allowed at any of the venues. So the, the initial report was he wasn't allowed to be on the sideline, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and then following that, not too far after that, was a report saying that he wasn't going to be allowed in the whatever the arena was, whether it was at Penn State, at Michigan. And the ban was for the regular season, which I found interesting. So when you're reading that, does do you read that as the Big Ten is stopping with the Big Ten and, and he may be allowed to coach in the postseason? He will be allowed to coach for the Big Ten championship game and the playoffs, according now, in your opinion, again, we've talked to some people on the inside. I don't want you to reveal any of our, our sources. I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. But um, did the Big Ten overreach here? I think so. I think they should all let the NCAA do their uh, – let him go through due process, through their investigation. 
like they do with every other uh, scandal or problem in the rest of the sport. Yeah, and we, we know the NCAA has a tendency to go long. Like four years from now, this would have been finalized. And if Michigan won a title, they'd have the banners taken down. And the NCAA is notorious for their their uh, their lengthy due diligence. So uh, a lot of pressure from the Big Ten coaches. We, we heard last week that the Big Ten coaches asked Harbaugh to step off the call uh, with the coaches and the ADs. And then they had the Big Ten commissioner put a lot of pressure on him last week to do a number of things. One was throw Michigan out um, of any type of postseason uh, contention. And I mean, they, that itself overreached, but um, we've done our own research here. As far as the rule violation itself, everybody is saying sign stealing, but this is really about advanced scouting, correct? Yes, it's about advanced scouting because of the uh, them going to games, filming. That's, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Um. Now, we know there's a ticket trail. We know there's a, a money trail. Um, the coaches have said they have uh, deniability in, in regards to that. But the, just for our audience, a, a advanced scouting was removed as an option for teams, I believe, in the mid-90s, 94, if I'm not mistaken. And it was considered uh, – it was taken away for budgetary reasons, not competitive advantage reasons. Teams didn't want to have to pay for it anymore. Uh, so that's why it was removed from Division One football. Division One basketball has the same rule. I don't know about the other sports. You can scout live if you're in a tournament and you're playing the next day, like the NCAA tournament or a conference tournament. That is permissible because everybody's under the same roof. But in terms of traveling, they took that out of play for a financial reason. So in terms of an infraction, it, it is, it's considered a minor violation. Yeah, and it seems like a big punishment for a minor uh, infraction when it comes to not him not being allowed in any of the venues for the next three games. Three pretty big games, too. Maryland's no joke. Penn State's top ten team and Ohio State's number one in the country. So yeah, that's it's three crucial games for Michigan, who's having a great season. Even though they're saying their conference schedule is or their I'm sorry their schedule is weak, hundred ranked the hundredth, I believe you had down. I don't mean to spoil your show notes here. I'm used to reading your notes that you provide me for our other shows, but um, yeah, three crucial games that make or break their season. They're taking their leader off, not just off the sideline, but he's not allowed in the arena. Um, I would have to imagine Michigan's a well-oiled machine right now. They are who they are, but that does that does impact them not having Jim Harbaugh there. I would think. Do you think Michigan will respond to this, and how will they respond? What are we hearing? How they'll respond? Um, I think they'll respond like they res- like they played all throughout the season. They will try to run the ball. McCarthy, I think, will come out very well. I think they'll come out very physical and very uh, tough, trying to run through Penn State and send a message. Well, uh, yeah, I, you hit you hit on a point we're going to talk about, but I'm talking about in terms of their administration. Um, they they did not outright ban him, which would be a definite overreach because that would override the NCAA. They kept it within the confines of the Big Ten. Um, they kept it within not a, a, a suspension indefinitely. It was a definite number, three games. They felt, and the term they used was sportsmanship. So how do you feel about that? Did, did, they, did they play it safe? Do you think enough to where Michigan brass won't sue, they won't counteract, or they, Michigan, you think, will just take it and, and move on? I think they played it as safe as they possibly could have when it comes to actually making a punishment, because which could come to their detriment because I don't think any either side is satisfied in this. I don't think the Big Ten coaches are satisfied, nor obviously is Michigan. So I don't know if that's going to help them or hurt them in the long run. Well, expound upon that. That's a good point. Because so, so how would the, the Big Ten coaches not be satisfied, the ones that wanted him out? How would they not be satisfied? Because 
they still think Michigan isn't punished by anything. They still got beat by 45 points. They're not happy about that. They believe they were cheated on. They believe they were uh, wronged in some way. And him not being able to be at the games for not their games isn't really going to make them happy. So, as far as Michigan goes, how would they? They obviously their their unhappiness is is obvious, but just kind of state that for our audience anyway. Well, he's not going to be allowed at the games for three pretty crucial games: Penn State, top ten opponent; Ohio State, number one in the country; Maryland was ranked at some point, I believe. So they're pretty solid as a team. Yeah, and Maryland gave Penn State a good run, right? And Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State pulled away at the end, but they it was a close game for most of the game. Yeah, so it's a, again the, the Big Ten probably mirrors you know you lead how you're led. So the Big Ten kind of mirrored the NCAA would stay in. I, I liken it to lukewarm water. You ever drink lukewarm water? It's the kind of water that makes you want to puke, and that's how I take that that rule or that I should say that that ruling, not the rule, with it. So okay, we'll come back to Michigan later on, but let's 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 take a look at the the committee here, and you have this stuff committed to memory, so I commend you on that. So. Uh, just give our audience a little history. What, what were the two, I mean, how did the national championship game used to be uh, decided and the two bodies and, and, you know, where are we at now? Well, back before they even had a national championship, it was decided by who was the best team without even a national championship game. Then they decided they needed a national championship game. They ranked the two best teams. Sometimes there was an undefeated team that got kind of, Screwed in a way. Auburn, yeah, bad word. I'll tell your mom on that, so you'll probably be punished when she gets home. But but uh, AP and uh, RPI, AP and RPI, what, what were what were their two functions in this? Those were the two bodies, um, you know, with, with the AP obviously being the writers. That was more of a an eye test, RPI being the, uh, the formula based on a number of things. It's basically a regression analysis, schedules, strength of schedule, strength of opponent, wins at home, wins away. So... You know, you've got one that's totally numbers driven. The other one's totally eye driven. And now we have our, our committee. Um, based on what you saw now, did, how do you how do you how do you think the combination of these two with the committee uh, has worked out? Well, I think it's kind of worked out as the worst of both worlds. They kind of they didn't really uh, do it in the best way. Yeah, they let, let me ask you. Both that's a pretty strong statement. The, the, worst, <laughs> the worst of both worlds. I'm sure both groups are very appreciative of you, a 14-year-old coming out against them like that. But you have backing. So, so I mean, the AP was supposed to be, you know, more of an eye test. The RPI was supposed to be analytics. Um, you know, t- what are they doing in terms of, are they, is the eye test being used here? Uh, they don't, it doesn't seem like they watch film a lot. And sometimes it seems like it's selective. But I don't really know what, when it comes to the eye test, what they're looking at, whether it's dominance or how uh, good their offense is, defense is, how much they win by. I don't know what they're looking at. So that on, the, on the committee, I mean, they have, it's, there's some former coaches, but mostly administrators. Uh, and you're sensing based on their comments and based on the rankings, you said there's some discrepancies. I'm assuming you're not just going to blank that. You're going to point that out later on. Yes. Okay, good. Um, as far as the analytics goes, they're using analytics-driven decisions to kind of shield themselves of responsibility. What's the what's the anal- what's the main thing that they're saying is driving their decisions? Well, what they said was strength of schedule, but I guess almost in a way they said they they ranked 
they thought the top three teams were the best three teams, and they're going to rank that among strength of schedule. But then they went four and five with Florida State, Washington. Those two teams, uh, Washington has a better strength of schedule than Florida State. Um, and also, I think they look better, so I don't know where they got Florida State's better than Washington okay. from. Yeah, no, Florida State's without two of their main defensive guys, too. Um, but I tend to agree with you. So you're getting, I don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Now they're saying it's strength of schedule. Um, you said that, I guess they said Ohio State's strength is, is their number one strength of schedule. Why are they saying they're number one? Well, they thought the win against Notre Dame at Notre Dame was a very good win, and the Penn, Penn State win was a very good win, they thought, which it, it was a good win. It's a top 10 win. Yeah. And, oh, and was Notre Dame a top 10 when they beat them? They were, yeah. I think they were five at the time. That's a question that I would love to ask the committee is, when you're ranking strength of schedule, is it the, is it the ranking of the team at the time you beat them or is it the overall ranking at the time that the selection is made of, you know, where Ohio State's ranked? Because if you look at Florida State, now you mentioned them, and I don't want to jump on you here. We'll, we'll go back to it. But Florida State beat LSU in the first game of the year. Uh, yeah, they and, beat them pretty bad, too. Yeah, they, and they, they hammered them. And then they also beat Clemson when everybody thought Clemson may be pretty good. Now, Clemson is, I think, currently 5-4 and four maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around there, just, just around 500. So those two wins aren't quite as – as uh, important or as impressive, I should say, as we once thought. Yeah, they're not. Okay. Well, now, uh, as far as Ohio State, you said they beat Penn State. That You consider that a good top 10 win? Yeah, that was a good top 10 win, especially how their defense played, only allowing 12 points, and Penn State's quarterback's pretty good. So Yeah, and we have numbers down here, you know, with the, we don't want to get ahead to Michigan, Penn State this weekend. Both teams are very impressive defensively, especially in the third quarter. We'll share that number later. So as far as the, the top three teams, you feel like they – okay, you look, at, you look at the rankings. They've got – we go Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, uh, not what, Florida State, Washington, right? Those are the top five? Yeah. What do all of those teams have in common? Well, they have zero losses. Okay. That's the biggest thing they have in common. They're so, all undefeated. So what, what did you notice when you were looking at the rankings? What was – you know, you said they, – they said it was strength of schedule all the way through. You've kind of picked that apart a little bit. You're going to get deeper in a second. But um, – what basically how did they group the teams they grouped them by losses and it's almost like standings in a way where it's not even like uh rankings it's not even like it's kind of lazy in a way because they went i think uh one to five was no loss teams six to eleven was one loss teams and then 12 to 18 was two loss teams so it was weird that way. Okay, so they're saying strength of schedule. You're picking out a discrepancy saying maybe selectively strength of schedule. Ohio State's got a better schedule, strength schedule than Georgia. Georgia better than Michigan. Not by much, though. Michigan's taking a beating with their schedule, saying it's 100. Georgia's, I think, 90 on it. I always used to laugh when they would say that at Alabama, too. The only reason Alabama's schedule wasn't strong is because Alabama doesn't play Alabama. Yeah, that's a big And, and Michigan yeah. doesn't play Michigan. Georgia's, but Ohio State, I guess, same same thing. So... So you're saying that they're 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 grouping them by losses, yeah. In the beginning, like that's that's kind of a safe way. You said lazy way. You're coming after these these. Uh, you came after the AP, went after the RPI. Now you're coming after the college football committee. So um, brave, brave soul here. So what does that encourage? I mean, in your mind, when they're ranking them by losses, they're saying they're trying to impress upon these teams, play the toughest schedule possible. We're going to reward it. Um, you just pointed out that. 
you know, if you got zero losses, you're going to be ranked high. One loss. There's no one loss team ranked ahead of a, a no loss team. Correct. Correct. There's no two loss team ranked ahead of a one loss team. No. Okay. So obviously strength of schedule isn't the priority. Uh, yeah. And you asked what they're impressing upon with that. Um, they're probably impressing upon them that you don't have to schedule the tough games because if Alabama played anyone else other than Texas, that's not a good team. They'd be number two in the country, three in the country, maybe even number one in the country. So I don't, I don't believe they're really enforcing what they say they're enforcing. So it's selectively they're saying when it fits their bill, yeah, we're going to take schedule. But overall, that's a good point. I mean, if if Alabama didn't schedule Texas and they won their their first game of the season and they're undefeated right now, they're at least ranked in the top six. Yeah, probably higher because they're in the SEC and they're Alabama. So. I think it's a good point. They certainly aren't judging uh, the way the games are because Ohio State snuck by Notre Dame on a Notre Dame faux pas the last couple seconds of the game. They've had a couple of games like that where it's been lesser opponents. They've that's been close games. They meek by Michigan has flat out pounded people. I mean, it's been it's been a physical beating on whoever they played. So, but um, let's let's go with this. Let's test your hypothesis here. Um, you said they grouped them by losses, at least the first eighteen or nineteen. Um, you've got some discrepancies. So your, your dissatisfaction doesn't stop there. You've got some discrepancies with the no-loss teams. Um, what, what issues do you have there? You've got – now your ranking is Ohio State. You have um, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington. They're saying strength of schedule within that group of – grouping. Okay, because we can't just fight against loss. They all got no losses. So what's, what issues do you have there with those teams? Well, I don't think Florida State's a top-four team in the country. I think I guess they have to rank them there because they're undefeated and they've taken care of their business. But Washington has as well. They beat Oregon, who I think is a top four team in the country. Although I don't think they should be ranked there. Um, so, but let's just give it to them. That's good points, and we'll get to that too. But let's let's give it to them. We're we're going to deal just with those five teams that are undefeated. Let's just say, okay, we're going to accept the fact that you've ranked them five within their ranking. They ranked them one through five. What problems do you have with their ranking? Their top five ranking? Yeah, based on what they're saying. They're saying strength of schedule. Um, what 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 uh, what are you unhappy with there? Um, you, st- you started touching on Florida State, Washington. I interrupted you. Yeah, Florida State, Washington was doesn't make any sense because if they say strength of schedule, then Florida uh, Washington should be ahead of Florida State, and that doesn't make any sense. So uh, okay, so Florida State lost to who? Uh, LSU. They, no, beat, they beat. I'm LSU. sorry, they beat LSU, and they beat um, Clemson. Was a rather big win. Yes, I believe. Yeah. Okay, and Clemson used to be in the top 10. They're no longer top 15. So their best win is against LSU. Yeah. Okay, and LSU's a three-loss team. Yes. What? Who is Washington's best win against? Oregon. Oregon, and, and where's Oregon ranked? Six. Okay, so based on the committee's strength of schedule theory, even if we give them, okay, we're going to play it safe and all the no-loss teams are going to be ranked. They ranked Ohio State ahead of Georgia, Michigan, but they felt strength of schedule wasn't, important with Florida State and Washington? I guess so. I don't know why they fit, did that because even if they decided I want to go on the eye test on that one, I don't I don't get it because I've watched Florida State. They don't look better than Washington, although Washington's defense is iffy. But Yeah, they don't provide too much resistance. No. So, uh, you know, Florida State's got a strong defense or without two players. What impresses you about Washington, though? What, what is, what's so great about them? that you think, okay, this team could potentially be the fourth best team? Uh, their offense is 
uh, insane right now. Uh, they have two, I think, NFL receivers. Uh, their quarterback is the favorite for the Heisman right Panic. now. Yeah. Um, although I'm not sure if he's going to win it, but I think he he's got a great shot, probably the best shot. We watched him pretty closely against USC last uh, weekend. Yeah. Right. And uh, him and and uh, USC quarterback, uh, they went head to head. It was uh, we were joking it was going to be the first one to fifty. We were almost right. It, it was pretty close to that. Um, I think it was high forties the total. So yeah, forty two, forty two. So you got you. So okay. So they went eye test with four and five. It looks like because they couldn't go on strength of schedule. They obviously think Florida State's a better team. Yeah. But they went strength of schedule with one through three. So if they went strength of schedule with four and five like they did one through three, you think Washington would be ahead of Florida State? Yeah. Okay. Now if they went eye test with one through three, like they did with four through five, and stay consistent. Who would, what would be your rank order of one through three? Uh, probably Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State would be the ranking if they went through. Reverse it, I guess. Reverse, yeah. So, so Georgia is without their tight end, uh, Bowers, right? He's going to be back, I think, soon. SEC championship game, I think. Okay. If, yeah, if they're knocking on wood, they get into They have Ole Miss this week, which could be – you never know. Um, and then you think Ohio State's the third best team. Do you think – if they were, again, if you were to lump the zero loss teams in – and you were to mix all five together, would you have a different four or five than the committee has? Because we we had uh, the former quarterback for Alabama was on TV today. Yeah. Uh, what was his? That, that's not McCarron, is it? Um, McElroy. 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 He had a different ranking. He had Ohio State five, and that drew people, people went crazy on that. Who would be your five if you went eye test in the top five? Assuming the committee is right, ranking zero loss teams in the top five. Um. Number one would be Michigan. They they look like the best team. Uh, number two would be Georgia. I thought they would have they skidded against Auburn, but every other game they've looked almost unbeatable. I was Kentucky. surprised. Not not to not to cut you. I was surprised at their quarterback play when they lost Bowers. I said, okay, they're going to struggle because to me that was their not to use a baseball reference, but that was their out pitch. Anytime they were in trouble, who do we see them against early on where they were down and they just went Bowers Bowers for the whole fourth quarter. He had 117 yards in the fourth quarter alone. But they have McConkey. He stepped in as their, their their top receiver. Very impressed with their quarterback. He's he's a again the the young the young kid who was a walk on there and did well for them. Took him to, to a couple national titles. Uh, the kid they have now back there is legit. Uh, but I think you know you, you talked about Michigan. Uh, McCarthy's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's yeah. a. I think he'll be first round, but I'm not sure. I haven't really seen any mock drafts saying that. But well, we'll, we'll come to your mock draft at another show here because I know you got some strong opinions there as well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till Kuiper comes out with him. You can pick on Kuiper and McShay like you are with the AP, the RPI, and the college football uh, selection committee here. So you would have a different five. I cut you off there. You would have Michigan number one, Georgia two. Uh, if they were going eye test. If they were going eye test, and I think Washington would be three. Okay. Um, Florida State or Ohio State, I think I'd give the slight edge to Florida State on the eye test when it comes to the eye, just the eye test, and then Ohio State would be five. Okay, what do you like better about Florida State than Ohio State? Uh, their defense is uh, good. They have the great quarterback, Jordan Travis, is really good. Ohio State's also got a great defense. but Their, their quarterback struggles, though. He has not been sharp. No. That year, and you need that. During the stretch run, I think that's a separated with Michigan too. McCarthy, even though they say it's a ground and pound, 
Michigan's got a great line, O and D. Yeah. And uh, but when they need plays, McCarthy makes plays. That's yeah. what they haven't had the last couple of years. So, um, all right, you good with the no loss teams? You've already picked them apart here, basically. Yeah. So let's go to the one loss teams now. So how? So they got Oregon as the top one loss team. Then who's next? Texas. Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn State. I think. Okay. So Texas. Uh, I'm sorry. Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn State. So five one-loss teams there ranked in a row. Uh, Ole Miss plays Georgia this week. Penn State plays Michigan. Oregon plays um, – they play – not USC, right? USC. Yeah. Who's not ranked in the top 25 now. But that's a tough that's – a, that's a wild card matchup right there. And then the uh, – is it – did we get everybody? Oh, Texas. Texas, yeah. I don't know who Texas played. I'm not sure. We'll take a look after the show and, and do that. So, okay, so you're looking at that right there. Did the committee go strength of schedule? Did they go eye test? Did they mix and match based on whatever they felt like at the moment? Did they pick it out of a hat? Um, you know, if they were going strength of schedule, how do they justify? Uh, well, tell me, tell me how Oregon and Penn State sits with you. Um, well, they say. They went by the eye test, but Oregon's best win is Utah. Other than that, they have not beaten a 500 team this entire season. Their second best win is against Colorado, which they blew them out, but Colorado's probably not going to make a bowl game this year. So strength of schedule-wise, Oregon doesn't fit the committee's bill as being their should be their best one-loss team. Right. Okay. What about eye test for you? How good is Oregon? Oregon is a top-four team, in my opinion. They're really good. They got... I think Bo Nix has started the most games of any quarterback in college football history. Yeah, he's forty-two now, right? Yeah, forty-two years old. Mm-hmm. Now he's yeah he's fifty mid fifties in Six, terms of in, in terms of uh, starting games, which is tremendous. We watched him when he was at Auburn. He he uh, struggled a little bit in that system, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Oregon's to me. You you had asked me the other day. I think Oregon is a top four team, eye test wise. They're strong defensively. Their offense. Bo Nix is making as good as decisions as any quarterback in the country right now. And uh, he, he's got his, you know, we talked progressions today. He's got his progression, his reads down pat. He's getting that ball out there, they said, in a quicker time than anybody else in the country, 0.2, 0.3 seconds. So the defense doesn't have much time to get him. Um, so so, you, so they've got Oregon ranked six. So based on their scheduling uh, methodology, strength of schedule, it doesn't jive, right? No, it doesn't make sense. Okay. But I test possible. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay, now, now go go number seven and eight now. You got Texas, number seven, correct, and Alabama yeah. eight. Does that work the strength of schedule? Um, well, the best win of those two, ironically, is Texas because they beat Alabama. Correct. But when it comes to playing more good teams, Alabama has that. So I don't know what the – the ranking is on that, but I think Texas is better than Alabama. I think with that, I don't think they put much thought into that. I think they just went with the head-to-head and moved on. Yeah. And I think Alabama is really good, but I do agree with Texas being ahead of Alabama. To me, that's the most logical selection they made because there's times where it doesn't seem like head-to-head matters right, with, with them. And that, to me, I don't know how you, you get away from that. So Texas is ahead of Alabama here. Texas's best win is Alabama. Now, if Alabama happens to, you know, I guess it, we're, we're doing what ifs, but let's not go that far. We're saying if Alabama beats Georgia, how does that work? But what about Texas's eye test now? Now, they, they, they've got a great running game. 
I think they have a tremendous defense. We always look at the O-line, D-line. They're without Ewer. They've been without him a couple weeks now. I don't think their backup quarterback is nearly as good as Ewer, and I think they're they're not quite as good as an offensive team with him there. What's the word on him? He's supposed to be back. He's day to day, so he's not. I don't think he's been confirmed for next week, but he could come back any week, um, and it's not confirmed whether, when, or when if he will play this week or if he won't. I think. Okay, so with uh, with you are there. What, what's your what's your eye test on Texas as a team? As a team, I think they're at least a top five team. I think Texas in the trenches is one of the best teams. I think they're one of the most athletic teams in the country. I think they're one of the fastest teams in the country, almost like an SEC team. Well, they will be next year, right? Yeah. And then Alabama, what's your thoughts on them? They, I mean, they snuck by South Florida early on this year. Yeah. They've eked out some wins. Watching them last week, we watched them against LSU. We had three TVs going on. We had phones coming off the hook. Um, what was your impression of Alabama? Have they found their identity? I think they have. I think they got back to defense, running the football, because Jalen Mirwell was not Tua, Hurts, Mac Jones, or they have one more guy, but I can't remember him. Um, he's not one of those type of players. He's more of a, a runner. Oh, he's he can fly. Threat. Yep. So I think what they got back to is Nick Saban's style of football, is running the ball, playing defense. And I think they could make the playoff that way, although they're boxed in right now. And explain that. How are they boxed in? Um, they got Oregon, who's – the next team in is Washington. The next team after that is Oregon, and then Texas is ahead of them. So they have to jump four teams, including Florida State, because Florida State has to move out, or one of those teams has to move out. So I'm going to throw a, for instance, at you. Let's say Florida State is not going to be challenged, I don't think, the rest of the year, with or without their two defensive guys. They went out. Alabama runs the table, wins their side, plus wins the SEC championship. Um, I mean, they have to have some things happen, correct? I mean, Texas has to lose. Washington has to lose. Um, obviously, Georgia would lose if they're there, but uh, Michigan or Ohio State's going to lose one of those two teams. So still a one-loss team there. They're ranked higher than them now. Does uh, what, what else has to happen for Alabama to win? Is it is it near impossible? Um, I don't – it is near impossible, but – Florida State could lose to Louisville in the ACC championship game. Keep your eye on Louisville. They're pretty good. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Oregon or Washington can lose because they're going to get out, which either one lose in the Pac-12 championship game, they're out, unless Oregon gets upset this week. But There's a log jam in the Pac-12 right now. so it's. Uh, but uh, Washington, yeah, they, they to me they look fallible. Yeah. Because they, they score a ton of points a la USC. But uh, again, they're they're reluctant defenders. Uh, now I'm going to throw three teams out, and did, oh, did, we didn't get to Ole Miss. Get to Ole Miss and Penn State. What's your thoughts on them? Can Ole Miss? Are they just a, a happy bystander with one loss here? They can't really do much other than be kind of upset the apple cart a little bit if they upset somebody. Well, they they I don't think they have a shot because they lost to Alabama. Okay, Alabama. They're not going to be ranked ahead of Alabama. So another logical move by the committee. So you're coming up with some positive data. If it's strength of schedule yeah. and it's head-to-head, so we've seen two, Texas, Alabama, Alabama, Ole Miss. But that's right right in front of your face. I mean, you kind of have to do that. Yeah. So we won't give them too much credit on that. Um, what's your thoughts on Ole Miss? I love Lane Kiffin. You know that. I think he's an offensive uh, genius with what he does. A little bit off the wall in terms of his public persona. Uh, it's a little too crazy on social media, but um, – 
they don't really defend either. That seems to be a common trend among these these fly-by-night teams. That's why I'm so concerned about Washington, that they don't stop anybody. They just it's not. There's a difference between stopping people and not scoring. And the, the Washington doesn't stop people. Ole Miss doesn't stop people. Does Ole Miss have a chance against Georgia this week? I think they got a shot. They can score with anybody if they can get one or two key stops, which is a big if for Ole Miss. But if they can, without Brock Bowers, I think they have a shot to upset Georgia. I think it's in Georgia. It is, on senior day. Yeah, but I I could see Ole Miss making it close. Lane Kiffin's enough of an antagonist where this could be an interesting story written. What about Penn State now? They play against, and that'll lead us into our matchup. Penn State plays Michigan this week. It's at Happy Valley. It is a noon game, so that, I think that's an advantage for Michigan. That it's not a night game where they would do the where they do the whiteout. Whiteout, yeah. So uh, it's going to be a hopping crowd. Obviously, the Harbaugh thing on Friday, right before Saturday. Now they're there already, so they've already pulled this with their in Happy Valley. They go there probably Tuesday or Wednesday on away games. So um, what's what's your key stat now? You're looking at this game. Both teams have been tough defensively. I think Michigan's much better offensively. And Penn State, but what's what's the big stat that you, you see in that game? Well, miraculously, neither team has allowed a point in the in the third quarter. Both teams are second half teams. Michigan has been a second half team for three years now. When it comes to they they wear you down, and I think Penn State's adopted that style too. They saw how it works for Michigan. It is a winning style. Georgia won two national championships with running the ball, and. Uh, Teams teams can win when you play defense and run the ball. So I think they adopted that style. Yeah, and who, so we've likened Michigan to like a boa constrictor, right? That's what we've heard the analogy. They just wrap themselves around you. They'll pound you, pound you, pound you, wear you down, as you said, in the trenches, and then they just explode on you. You can't keep up. You can't withstand that. What's the key stat that you've seen um, to to prove that that the second half is their half? Uh, neither. Neither team allowed a point in the third quarter. Um, I think Michigan has won the third quarter this season 114 to zero, and the Penn State's won it 97 to zero. So that's pretty big when it comes to winning the sec- uh, third quarter yeah, in the second out. half. Especially when you have halftime to adjust. That's telling you that they not only do they worry out, they adjust properly. To me, I, I agree with you. I think Penn State is a derivative of Michigan. They try the same style. But I think, you know, when you look at the the quarterbacks, Michigan has the advantage. Who's the, the the key? Running backs are good for Michigan, correct? Yeah, they have – Blake Corm is probably the best running back in the country. But not mentioned for the Heisman. No. He doesn't have the yards that he did last year because I think they don't want him to get hurt like he did last year. But he does have the touchdowns and I think more touchdowns than he did last year. Donovan Edwards' uh, yards per carry isn't as high. But I think he's a great receiving running back. People don't mention that. He's a wonderful receiver running back. He yeah. had a great play up the sideline catch last week against Purdue. So and tough kid. So he played with a broken hand last year when yeah. Quorum was out. And he was their he was their premier back last year when Quorum was hurt. And he, he was phenomenal. He was putting up the same numbers as Quorum was. Um it's nice to have that two headed monster up there. So uh now we just had breaking news come in. Obviously, we, we heard that there was a suspension. He wouldn't be allowed on the sideline. Then we heard wouldn't be allowed in the venue. Now we're hearing that Michigan is putting in a court order in order to uh, to put an injunction to stop the uh, the action by the Big Ten in order to have Harbaugh on the sideline tomorrow. So interesting uh, distractions here for both teams. 
does Michigan's been so locked in. We, we've talked about Harbaugh all the time where he's monomaniacal. He's uh, totally locked in. He gives you that look of even when you see his eyes, there's nothing that he's thinking about other than football. Uh, do you think this is a distraction or do you think it adds to their mentality of Michigan against the world? I think, if anything, it's Michigan against the world, but Harbaugh does good at not allowing distractions. He's very I don't think he's paid much attention to it at all, nor do I think his team has. I do believe there's some uh, some fire in there to go out there and prove that they're the best team in the country. It's Michigan against the world, but I think, if anything, it's that, but I don't think they pay much attention to it. And they've just pounded teams. And I know they can say on their schedule, but if you're watching games – Michigan is, what do they, they average one penalty a game or like they went the first six games without a penalty? Yeah. I mean, they just, if, if you're watching games and you appreciate good, and again, we hate to be, we're outside of what this controversy is. They play the game the right way. They, they block, they tackle, uh, they run the ball well. To me, uh, McCarthy is, I, I made a joke on social media today that the Big Ten officials are going to meet on Monday and their complaint Monday is going to be that it's unfair that Michigan has the only NFL quarterback in the conference. That, of course, is a, is a joke. I'm being sarcastic. I'm being a little bit of a wise-ass there. But uh, McCarthy, to me, understands his reads a heck of a lot better this year than he did last year. Um, you know, they, they, have, they have two options. I think they call it smash, where they have uh, double, double wideouts. They have two, wide, two, or they have two wideouts right and left, and they have two slots. And the slots will run little curl routes. And it engages the cornerback a little bit, and it draws that single high safety to have to make a decision on either side of the field. They've got two guys running deep. So uh, Penn State's going to have to make an adjustment on that because McCarthy's been great. If he's got that that first option, his first read, he's banging it right away. And if not, he's been able to make that long, that, uh, that longer pass up the sideline. So watch the cover one with Penn State, see if they adjust with, with two back. If that happens and that opens up the middle of the field for Michigan, see how that adjusts. Um, as well, and it'll lead more to the running game. So what other matchups did you want to hit on? Are you predicting – it sounds like you got a prediction of a Michigan win regardless. Yeah, I, I see Michigan winning, especially if Harbaugh's there. But even if Harbaugh's not there, I can I see Michigan winning this. I don't think Penn State has the personnel. I think that this is their first year trying the Michigan style. I don't think they're as good as, as Michigan is. Uh, even if you look at the stats, uh, Michigan yards per carry is higher. They're, they're better at running the football. They're better at preventing pe- teams on running the football. They got an amazing secondary, the best in the country. They got Roman Wilson, I think, is tied for first with touchdowns in Division One college football. And then they got the, probably the best tight end core in the league with Colston Loveland. Roman Wilson, who is he now? Uh, he's the receivers, number one for Michigan. Okay, yeah. So he's got, they, they have, I mean, they're scoring like crazy here. So is it a pounding or is it a close game? Uh, I I think it's a 10-point win, I think. I don't think they're going to pound them that much because I think Penn State, this is their season right here. If they don't win, they're done. Kind of same with Michigan, but it's done for Penn State. They got to win this game. It's in Penn State. I think they'll get the energy from the crowd early on. Yeah, because they've already lost to Ohio State. So if they were to win this game, Michigan beats Ohio State. Now you got a three-way melee at the top of the Big Ten. Which their 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 tiebreaker? We'll go into that if if we have to later on. But their tiebreaker could be the most asinine tiebreaker that there is in the history of sports. Um, with that, so is there any other games you want to chronicle or highlight this week? Any matchups you're looking at? Um, uh, probably Georgia Ole Miss. I think that's a good top ten game. Although I'm not sure 
if Ole Miss is a top ten team, but that is a top ten game. So, you think that'll that's at Georgia? Obviously, they're without Bauer, but Senior Day, uh, Georgia hasn't lost a home game, and what are they? Well, they haven't lost a game. They've won since they lost the SEC championship game. What three years ago? It's like yeah. what twenty six in a row now. So they're learning how to win. They haven't won like they have in the past, as far as just blowing teams out, but they're certainly as impressive as ever. And until they're beaten, you can't doubt Georgia at all. So I think Lane Kiffin's got a slim shot. He's always got something up his sleeve. But I think uh, early on they got beat by a, really a, an Alabama team that was still figuring itself out. So I think Georgia wins big. And I think watching this game, there's a difference between winning against somebody and beating them. Yeah, I think Michigan's going to beat Penn State. Um, it's kind of how I like in the difference between your personalities, you and Blue. Blue likes to win. You like to beat people. And uh, I think Michigan's going to make them suffer there, though. So um, anything else you want to leave the audience with? Is this going to be reoccurring now? Are you, are you weekly going to be questioning the college football committee on the sauce here? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot about college football. I, I like watching college football. I do obviously watch other sports, but I am going to be talking a lot about college football, I think. Okay. And you think the committee is so inept that they're going to give you enough ammunition to have an entire show each week until it's over. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Well, they certainly filled the 40 minutes up today with you. So um, how do you want to leave the audience? What are we going to look at next week? You got your predictions. Do you, do you predict any movement next week, let's say, in the top five? Uh, even if Michigan wins, I don't think they move up unless Georgia loses or Ohio State gets upset by Michigan State, which is a one in a million shot of happening. I don't think they're going to be too controversial with it. I think they're going to stay with what they do. So you think they're going to do the same thing? They're going to say strength of schedule, but they're going to lump them in if you lost this many games, 0-1-2, and, and lump it that way into the top 18. And as you said, that was a great point. Let's leave the audience with that. Your point is if they keep preaching strength of schedule and you're a head college football coach, Division One with a Power 5 team with a shot to make the playoffs, what are you going to go in and tell your AD? If you've got, Let's say you've got three top 15 non-conference games scheduled next year. What are you going in to tell your your AD about those games if, if the way they're doing this? They're preaching strength of schedule, but they're saying if you lose zero, we're going to put you in the top. What are you telling your AD? Buy them all out. I'm not <laughs> playing those. Spend the money, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I agree. I think it's saying one thing and it's it's reinforcing another. So the, the fact that a 14-year-old picks that up, I'm hoping that these college coaches do as well. So with that, I want to thank the audience for – um, engaging us with our very first show, The Sauce. It's episode 349 on our network of Real Voices of the Game. Thank you to our audience of 57,000 plus. We'll keep you updated on the Michigan situation as it goes through. Check out our social media page. Uh, make sure you give this episode five stars. Give Tanner five. He's been my researcher for 348 shows now, so he's learning. So we decided we threw him on once before. He did a short, talked about his learning strategies, his coaching, his, his, his playing days and his homeschool, and then now we've got him doing a show here called The Sauce. Uh, Blackout Coffee, make sure you make your order. Go to Blackout Coffee, follow the link, David, all capital, with the number 20 following, and you'll get 20% off at checkout. After your first purchase of 20, you can buy as much as you want. Um, in, in perpetuity, you'll get 15% off. That's a great friend to have, a friend that gives us discounts on coffee, loves baseball, and now college football. Let's we'll support Blackout Coffee as well. And to that, Tanner, great job for your first show, Taz. I uh, Thought you did a pretty nice, pretty nice job of supporting your arguments. You're very argumentative by nature. Uh, you're a catcher, point guard, quarterback, so you, you've got a little bit of the background that CEO type of quality when it comes to sports. So, but good job on your first show. 
Thank you. Thank for thank you for making a whole new show for me. I well, appreciate we'll, it. We'll see how the audience says. Well, could, you could be one. You could be one and done right now. <laughs> but with that, thanks to the audience here. This is the sauce. Uh, thank you, Tanner D'Agostino, for your first show, college football. Let's see how his predictions come about, and take a look at the rankings yourself. See if he's got any credibility. Hit us back on social media if you agree or disagree. We'd love to hear it. And with that, episode three forty nine in the books. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I brought the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Okay.